Welcome to an archive edition of the Security Ledger podcast. I'm your host, Paul Roberts, editor-in-chief at the Security Ledger. Tesla CEO Elon Musk has been busy on social media in recent weeks. Among his usual rounds of SpaceX fanboy videos, memes, and Dogecoin boosterism, Musk has regaled his massive social media following with the promises of a software update for Tesla vehicles, so-called FSD V9, or version 9 of the company's fully self-driving software. The software was released over the weekend and pushed out to Tesla vehicles sooner after. According to media reports and posts by Tesla users, it's pretty impressive, allowing Teslas to navigate city streets, not just highways, autonomously, and pick their way across busy intersection, follow GPS directions to choose forks in the road without driver intervention. The onboard Tesla Vision also got a big update and can identify whether cars on the surrounding roadways are slowing, accelerating, stopped, and more. As to whether the FSD V9 beta software is safe and reliable now that it's been pushed out to millions of Tesla vehicles navigating U.S. roadways, that's another question entirely, and one without a clear answer. Musk himself has admitted that automated driving is a much more complex problem than he initially estimated, and his company seems eager to cover its butt. The company's announcement of the FSD V9 release said less about the autonomous driving features in the update than about the abundance of caution Tesla drivers should employ while it was in use. The release and the hype surrounding it come at a really curious time. As accidents linked to Tesla's autopilot technology pile up, the company finds itself in the crosshairs of the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. In June, for example, NHTSA instructed automakers, including Tesla, to begin reporting and tracking crashes involving cars and trucks that used advanced driver assistance technology, such as Tesla's Autopilot and General Motors' Super Cruise. Which brings us to the obvious question. If the software and features aren't safe and could even be deadly, why are they being pushed out to millions of vehicles? And beyond Elon Musk's casual admission that autonomous driving is a trickier problem than he anticipated, how realistic is the vision for fully autonomous vehicles anyway? Those are questions we posed to Bo Woods back in 2018. Back then, Woods was a cyber safety innovation fellow with the Atlantic Council. He's now a senior advisor at the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, or CISA, where he assists the COVID task force in defending the healthcare supply chain against cybersecurity threats. In this archive edition of the Security Ledger podcast, we bring you the conversation that Bo and I had back in episode 89. We're talking about a current event at the time, a fatal accident in which an autonomous vehicle operated by the ride-sharing firm Uber struck and killed 49-year-old Elaine Hertzberg as she walked her bicycle across a Tempe, Arizona street. In this conversation, Bo and I talk about the need for automakers to be thoughtful about how they develop and deploy autonomous driving systems and the tendency of autonomous driving boosters like Musk to underestimate the complexity of that challenge. To start out, I asked Bo to reflect on the implications of the recent fatal accident in Tempe and what it meant for the overall safety of U.S. roads. It's really interesting to watch as these stories develop over the, over the years. The stats that I've heard, uh, I think it was Administrator Rose Kind of the Department of Transportation give, were that there's something like 35,000 uh, automotive deaths on the highway, U.S. highways every year. Something like 94% of those uh, are human attributed. Uh, in other words, 
humans caused them. And then the thinking goes, most, if not all of those deaths could be uh, avoided if we have something like autonomous vehicles, right? For some level of autonomy, um, and they have different levels. So uh, really, if you look at the uh, the balance of you know what we're trying to optimize for with autonomous autonomous vehicles, the the trade-offs are if we can get there and get there quickly, we'll save something like eighty lives a day every single day that we have autonomous vehicles rather than driver piloted vehicles. So it goes to thinking, right? And uh, and I think that there's a, a lot of value therefore in you know racing towards or speeding towards autonomous vehicles as quickly as we can. On the other hand, if we move too quickly and we move faster than public trust and public confidence will merit, then people will turn away from these autonomous vehicles and, you know, incidents like um, hitting a pedestrian, uh, as we recently saw, or incidents like um, a a driver on autopilot in a Tesla having a fatal accident, those things will, uh, will chill the general population from adopting these technologies. So we've got to balance the actuality of vehicles with the perception of autonomous vehicles if we want to to move as fast as possible to save as most as many lives as we can as quickly as we can Bo, should we be concerned that there haven't been enough controlled experiments and vetting of this technology that we're turning city streets into kind of live fire ranges for autonomous vehicles or are those concerns overblown well uh you know the the new kind of mantra of software development in the internet connected era is um, production is your new dev environment, your new test environment. And when you're talking about like a mobile app or a web app, that can be okay, right? The consequences of failure are fairly low if, you know, like Netflix, sometimes uh, somebody logs in and they have to reload the website to come back up and run. So those types of consequences are acceptable. Isn't that Um, terrible when that happens? Isn't that the worst thing ever (laughs) when you have to reload and log back into the Netflix app? Yeah, right. I mean, it's, uh, as the kids would say, literally the worst. Um, It is literally the worst. (laughs) But when the consequences rise to a certain level of severity, uh, and I don't think we've mapped that out uh, in in the gray space, but I think there's plenty of black and white, then, you know, sometimes when... The consequences rise to a certain level. Failure is not an acceptable thing because you can't just reload, right? When you have, you know, a fatal error in a programming application causes a fatal error on the highway, that's not okay. You can't reboot life. Uh, you can't restart it. Um, so we have to be uh, very thoughtful and intentional about how we go about um, testing and developing these autonomous vehicle systems. Uh, and as to whether or not we're moving too quickly, um, technically, I don't know the answer to that. You know, I don't know where the state of autonomous driving is in comparison with where it needs to be. Um, there's probably some autonomous vehicle experts who will argue it both ways. Uh, but what I will say I've observed is that uh, in the non-technical space, it does seem like we're moving a little bit faster uh, with implementing autonomous, dry, uh, autonomous vehicles on the road in comparison with what the public is ready and willing to accept eagerly. You make a good point. It's not really about statistics, whether autonomous vehicles are safer than human-driven vehicles, but it's more about the public perception and the need to manage that. Uh, I generally tend to look at the public trust 
as a combination of trustworthiness and perception of trustworthiness. Or in other words, trust is a perception of trustworthiness. So you can either um, improve the perception, improve the actual trustworthiness, or you can improve both. And ideally, we'll improve both at a rate that's um, psychologically acceptable for the majority or even the um, vast majority of the people who are going to benefit from these technologies. There seem to be two different issues here. EU and the cavalry weigh on the cybersecurity of these systems and whether they're vulnerable to attack or whether they're designed in a secure and resilient fashion. And then there's the issue of the operation of the technology itself and whether it's reliable in a real-world environment. So, Bo, if the goal is to improve both the effectiveness of the software and also the public perception of the effectiveness of the software, how do you do that? I mean, where does the control come in and what form does it take? So companies like Uber uh, and others want to get uh, autonomous driving, uh, autonomous cars on the road, not just for a public safety use, but also for commercial purpose, right? They're trying to save money on, on the cost of their fleets trying to get more cars on the road, which can increase their top line revenue. So so they're trying to move forward as quickly as possible. I think the public safety angle is one that traditionally is looked after by Department of Transportation, in other words, by the government, right, of whatever country you're in, because left to its own devices, a, a purely profit-driven company is going to look out for its own shareholders. In fact, it must look out for its own shareholders rather than a public safety mechanism and a feeling of public safety. Usually those two are in line, but in some circumstances, they can be in conflict. And so that's the role, uh, traditionally, that's been the role of a regulator like the Department of Transportation, like the National Highway Traffic Traffic Safety Administration, to look after and kind of act as a governor on the, the top speed of adoption of some of these technologies or trying new experimental things before they're well-tested and vetted. On the cybersecurity side, I heard a great description. Uh, somebody posted a great description on Twitter of what a cybersecurity incident is and what a cybersecurity researcher does uh, or a malicious hacker. And essentially what they said is something like hackers are experts at taking very, very rare cases and making them uh, reliable and repeatable. In other words, these things where we see accidents or incidents that people say, oh, well, that's a once in a million or once in a billion chance. Uh, what hackers and what security researchers are able to do is to increase the odds of that one, one in a billion chance to one in 10 chance, maybe. And that, I think, is, is one of the things that most people in traditional manufacturing don't really factor for when they're designing uh, these systems. In other words, they design for the intended use of the system, not, intent, not the unintended use or abuse cases of the system. One thing that has surprised me a lot is this Wild West environment that's evolved where you can have a company like Tesla push an update to vehicles on the road that basically adds a feature where you can take your hands off the steering wheel. And the U.S. government, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration or the Department of Transportation are totally out of the loop on that. So they're not in a position to choose to vet that feature before it's pushed out to beta uh, and, you know, basically you've got Tesla doing beta tests on highways with vehicles that are going 70, mm -hmm. 80, 90 miles an hour. It just seems kind of crazy to me, especially when you consider how high the bar is for other safety features in vehicles. I'm, I'm really, really conflicted about this. I don't know where the right 
line is uh, to draw between, you know, we need to get autonomous vehicles out as quickly as possible and we need to preserve public trust in these systems and we need to ensure that you know, dangerous things are kept off the road. Um, I, that's such a tough choice. I, I'm, I'm glad I'm not in the hot seat of having to, to figure out where those lines are. Um, and so I'm not, I, I personally wouldn't feel uh, comfortable um, analyzing or, or second guessing any of those decisions. I know you're not asking me to, but look, we're going to have to be making those types of decisions more and more every single day. I think if you, one way to look at it is magnitude of potential harm versus magnitude of potential benefit, right? What's the, the total maximum harm that can come from something like an autonomous vehicle crash? Um, you know, the total maximum harm, if there's a hundred vehicles on the road, and I don't know what the total number, you know, a hundred, um, just say 100 autonomous vehicles in the road. If all of them, for some reason, you know, to be determined later, um, cause a two or three car crash, some number of people will die from that. But it will be, I don't know, maybe less than a couple of hundred. That's a that's a fairly low number in the grand scheme of things, right? That's double the normal daily rate of attrition, you know, deaths on our roads. Um, and once, if and once that happens, autonomous vehicle makers will probably be banned from the roads until an investigation occurs and we can find out what goes on. Um, the public will lose a lot of confidence. And I'm just kind of thinking through this out loud, so there's not any forethought that's gone into this. Um, public will lose confidence. It'll set us back a ways, uh, no matter who the the uh, you know the car company is that does this, whether it's Tesla, whether it's um, uh, Uber, whether it's uh, somebody else, uh, no matter who the company is, it will taint the whole autonomous vehicle market. So you might potentially delay for um, a decade, let's say, uh, rollout of an autonomous fleet, which would be highly problematic. On the other hand, that's a potential maybe risk um, that can also potentially maybe be backstopped in other ways after it happens. Whereas um, the, the certain risk of avoiding autonomous vehicles altogether uh, is tens of thousands of lives per year. So that, that's the hard math to do. Uh, and it's something that we'll have to repeat in hospitals and medical devices, which are very near and dear to my heart, in um, airplanes, in uh, you know, building automation systems and in other places um, where, you know, in a lot of those, the consequences of failure are just as high, if not higher than autonomous vehicles because of the widespread distribution, the direct impact on human life uh, and other things. So, um, look, we, we better get good at making these decisions because if we don't, the future looks awfully bleak. It seems in some other ways that the regulations and regulators that we have are not well suited to this environment where technology is moving so quickly. On the other hand, I can see that there might be dangers to just taking all the stops off and letting the industry throw itself headlong into this world without any oversight. Yeah, I think that's um, that trust and trustworthiness is going to be the thing that has the most profound impact 
on adoption of technology and of, of uh, saving lives over the long term. So I'm generally a big fan of transparency and transparency mechanisms. I think it has a tendency to make information available by which we can make better decisions and more trustworthy, trustworthy trusted decisions. Um, on the other hand, uh, if there's not a good story to tell with that transparency, then it leaves the, the interpretation up to the reader, right? And, and really up to the storyteller. So if, if it's just raw data, anyone can tell whatever story they want to, you know, lies, damn lies, and statistics. Um, so I, I tend to feel like, yes, greater transparency can bolster public confidence. Um, on the other hand, uh, I also want to, uh, especially in light of, um, you know, the current trends towards non-fact-based news, um, I think we have to be careful with what uh, preconditions we sow in, an un in a field of uncertain incentives. If we get a reaction from this, so if all of a sudden state or federal lawmakers say, hold on, you know, we need to take a new look at this. We've got a person who's dead in Tempe. We need to swoop in and have hearings and pass laws. Is that not the right way mm -hmm. to go? I mean, it's understandable. It's an understandable response, but is it not the right response? Yeah, it's a great question. The way I would like to see these things go is instead of swooping in to take action, let's swoop in to have a public dialogue about what we want to see technology do, not just what can we see technology do. In other words, um, we, we reach the point where we no longer have to ask, can a technology do something? The answer is almost always yes. But we haven't yet started asking seriously, what should our technology do for us? And I think that that, in a more general sense, is the kind of thing that we need to see um, broadly across many of these different areas, from autonomous vehicles to healthcare um, to industrial control systems to Internet of Things uh, in our homes. So I would like to see many more of those types of conversations happen in a uh, crucial public dialogue with folks from across a spectrum of societal perspectives. Bo Woods of the Atlantic Council, thanks so much for coming in to speak with the Security Ledger podcast. You've been listening to an encore edition of the Security Ledger podcast, featuring an interview with Bo Woods, Cyber Safety Innovation Fellow with the Atlantic Council, and we were talking about the security and safety of autonomous driving systems. <laughs> <laughs>